1: In Thailand, I was broke at some point, didn't have any money left. And that's why actually I started teaching but I kept thinking, okay, it's not that efficient. And my students need to repeat it at home, you know, whatever I taught them. And I thought, ah, I could make a video, you know. It's very efficient. Being German, I like the efficiency. The first time I thought, oh, I'm making like $3 a month with this. It sounds like a joke now. But I thought, oh, wow, I can already buy a up from that in Germany, you know. And it sounds really funny. But if you make money online, it's a funny thing. Because in the beginning, when I saw it, oh, YouTube, I can buy like actually something from this. My YouTube money. It's kind of surprising. So, and then I thought, oh, I can take this somewhere. You know, you just go step by step, but $3, then it's maybe 30, then 300.
2: Today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers, and
0: learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Welcome to the Maverick Show. I'm Matt Bowles, and today I'm here with Anya Winter. She is a teacher
2: nomad and a location independent entrepreneur originally from Germany. She decided to take her passion for language people, and video-based learning and build a YouTube channel called Learn German with Anya that now has more than 340,000 subscribers and has received over 30 million views. Her teaching methods incorporate games, interaction, humor, making her channel fun, engaging, and highly entertaining, which keeps her students coming back daily. She's also launched a very successful self-study online course that teaches the German sentence structure in just 10 days. She now generates six figures a year from her online businesses and runs them completely remotely while traveling the world. Anya speaks four languages. She has been a world traveler for five years and has now been to 24 countries on four continents Anya, welcome to the show. Hello, Matt. How are you today? I am doing wonderful. I'm so glad we are finally able to land this interview. And just to set the scene here, you and I are in Jericoquada, Brazil, doing this right on the beach. And it is a beautiful, warm, sunny day outside.
1: Exactly. It's beautiful. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Is this your first time in Brazil?
1: Yes. It's my first time in South America. In South
2: America. So not only in Brazil. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. It's an amazing place. I lived in Rio for a couple months back in 2015. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went to Carnival and then I just lived there for two months and I just totally fell in love with it. It was just oh, a wow. magical cool magical place to the extent that I didn't leave Rio for the entire two months because I was like, I was like, who would leave Rio? This place is too amazing. And so I never saw any other part of Brazil. Yeah. And so now I'm back here kind of seeing some of these, these more, uh, these amazing. beach towns further North. Yes, yeah.
1: I love it here.
2: Pretty epic. So, um, and then the other thing that you and I have in common, which I'm super excited about when I met you, I learned that you are about to embark on a remote year. Yes. It's starting in January. Which is so amazing and exciting. I did that, of course, as you know, for the year as well. It was the end of 2016 till the end of 2017 that I did it. And it was really just truly one of the best years of my life. I mean, a really, really special experience. But for people that don't know what it is or haven't heard of it, can you maybe just start off by describing what it is and what led you to make that choice to do that?
1: So basically, it's a whole year of where you spend one month in a new country. Each month you go to a new country, no? So I'm starting in Peru, then Colombia, then um, I think Mexico, or first it's South America and Middle America, and then we're going to Asia. So. It's going to be amazing. And I don't know, I signed up for it basically because of the community. First of all, I want to keep traveling with the same people. And then also because I kind of got sick of all the planning and booking and yeah.
2: All of that stuff. Yeah. Like one of the things that I think distinguishes remote year from some of the other work travel programs in the space is that you go with the same group of people, which is usually at least 40 or so for the entire year.
1: And everybody's working online, so you uh, you can also get your work done. And right, it's, it's, a, be it's nice a group uh,
2: of pr- traveling professionals that yeah. spend the entire year together. But you're able to go to different places and actually see the world, but to see it with the same community. So you're together and you're able to build those deeper relationships. So I'm super excited for you. I'm sure that I will cross paths with you at some point on that <laughs> I venture. Hope so. Yeah, uh, and that's uh, that's super I'm amazing. I'm also
1: very excited. Yeah, it's
2: going to be fun. That'll be awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your background and your passion for teaching and sort of then, you know, lead up to how all of this evolved for you in terms of the YouTube, because I feel like, you know, teaching is something that when people think about, oh, I want to go live in another country or I want to live abroad, a lot of people think, you know, I could teach my native language to the local people in this other country, and then I could live in that country and I could teach the language in a traditional classroom setting yeah, or something like that. That's what I
1: did in the beginning, yeah. You did that but in the you beginning. you can also take it further, yeah. Well,
2: that's what I would love to hear about yeah. because a lot of people you know, think about teaching as a geographically restrictive mm-hmm. thing yeah, and also a thing where they have to then make the income of whatever the local country is, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you're going yeah. to a much lower income country you're not able to make, you know, income on the what you were making at your home. right. You're yeah. making it now based on the living expenses of the lower income country. Yeah. And so, you know, so you're living there. And a lot of people, I think, view teaching as that geographically restrictive, you know, opportunity. But you have been able to really parlay that into a totally location-independent online opportunity. And so maybe, though, let's just start with back from the beginning in terms of where you're from, where your passion of teaching came from and then how that led you on your travels.
1: So actually I'm from Germany, from Dresden, that's in the east of Germany. And I had a pretty normal life. Yeah, (laughs) my childhood was pretty normal, middle-class family. And then I got my bachelor's degree in business, International Business Administration that was close to Berlin. And after my bachelor's degree, I didn't really know what to do with my life. So, and I always thought first I want to make big bucks and go into business, but I was always passionate about education actually. I watched Ken Robinson and all these people and I loved like their philosophy about education and I always was enjoying it, but I thought you can't really make a lot of money in education. So first I'm going to go into business and make a lot of money. So, but after I got my bachelor's degree, I didn't really know what to do with my life. So I went to Thailand. I just thought, okay, I would go traveling, figure it out. In Thailand, I was broke at some point, didn't have any money left. And that's why actually I started teaching because it's very easy to get teaching jobs in Thailand. So I started teaching English and German. English, even though I'm not a native speaker. So that was, kind of cool. And German also at the same time. That was just a means to get money. But then I started enjoying it so much and I reconnected with my passion and I thought, wow, this is it. And then I also started teaching one-on-one lessons online on a website called italki.com. And I started teaching there and I enjoyed it also. But I kept thinking, okay, it's not that efficient and my students, they need to repeat it at home, you know, whatever I taught them. And I thought, ah, I could make a video, you know, it's very efficient. Being German, I like the efficiency. So I thought (laughs) if I upload a video, you know, anybody can watch it at any time of the day as many times as they want. And I only make it once. So I thought, whoa, this is pretty cool. So, yeah. And then I decided to upload my first video on YouTube. First, I only shared it with my students and my friends and so on. But then it kind of caught fire. And yeah, then I kept doing it. At some point, I could make money from it. And
2: and so you started the YouTube channel in Thailand. In
1: Thailand, exactly. Everything started in Thailand. I started teaching in the classroom at Chiang Mai University and Prince Royal's College. I was teaching there. Then the one-on-one lessons online, I also started in Thailand and then the YouTube channel as well. It's it's a magic country for me.
2: <laughs> it is it is a magic country. And you were based in Chiang Mai, which is really an yes, amazing yes. an amazing place. I spent a couple months there earlier this year. It's a super super yeah, special I love place. Yeah, Chiang Mai. Yeah. So you, okay, so you start the YouTube channel and then it was just initially making videos and sharing them with your students so they could watch them again and again at home and practice and all that. Exactly, yeah. And then how did it evolve from there?
1: So I also shared it with my friends and families, and they were also thinking I was very crazy. You know, you've seen my first videos, now I jump on the bed and it's very... So they started sharing it as well. And yeah, then it got bigger. And then I actually had to pause for a while because I was so busy teaching in the classroom and teaching one-on-one lessons. So it was very hard for me, but then I continued. And actually at some point I told myself, I'm going to upload daily. And from there, it really grew a lot because I uploaded daily. I didn't make videos daily. Actually, I scheduled them in advance, but I uploaded or I published videos daily. And then, yeah, it caught a lot of fire because, yeah, it was for free and people love free stuff and funny.
0: (laughs) Well, that's the thing,
1: right?
2: (laughs) The thing is that the other thing that is amazing, I think, is that when people think about the type of content on YouTube that would garner enormous amount of viewership, learning German would not typically come to mind as something that can all of a sudden garner 340,000 loyal subscribers (laughs) (laughs) who watch your stuff daily. Um, And so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that because your videos are really particularly unique. And if you can talk (laughs) about the way that you've incorporated humor and the other things that you've done to build that audience.
1: So the thing is, actually, before I started my YouTube channel, I watched some other teaching channels and I thought, you know, they were good, but I kept thinking, why is there no fun? You know, you can make learning fun. And I love having fun while teaching and also while learning. When I learn something else, I also love it. So I tried to always think of ways, always before I made a video, I thought, how can I add something that people remember what I teach them? How can I make them laugh? and that's what i try to do so for example one of my videos is when i teach the alphabet song in german a b c d e f g and i jump on the bed and this is very people love it because it's different you know you i can also just sit in front of the camera and be like a b See, and it's also nice, but if I jump on the bed and sing it, it's a bit more entertaining and people enjoy it usually. So
2: That was one of your very first ones. Yeah, the second video. Actually. The second and video. The first
1: one was even crazier, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still up there.
2: <laughs> but, you, but you've kept that spirit along your entire yeah, journey.
1: Sometimes it's hard though, I have to admit, because when I teach grammar, it's hard to like, and, but I still try to make it at least visual. You know, I try to use colors and make it somehow interesting, use a lot of examples and... And be a bit crazy, also in the beginning. Learn German with Anya, so I get the attention, and then they're already at least awake, you know. And I start like that. So yeah, I try to keep doing it. Sometimes it's not that easy, but yeah, most of the time I have some ideas <laughs> of how to make it fun.
2: That's amazing. So now <laughs> you've been doing it for all, about four years now, yeah, total. Four years, yeah, in total. And since I
1: uploaded my first video, yeah. and putting
2: serious attention into it in the last three yeah, years exactly, or so, yeah, yeah. And so you you started with uploading weekly Mm -hmm. and then you went to daily
1: yeah in the beginning i actually it was just a trial you know when i uploaded my first few videos it was about three four videos or something it was just for fun then i had kind of a break for half a year where i didn't upload a lot just once in a while and then i told myself okay now i'm gonna take it seriously it's amazing i can reach a lot of people so then i started uploading daily yeah
2: and now what are you doing on your channel
1: So now it's back to weekly, actually, because I'm also concentrating more on other things. YouTube is nice, you know, but YouTube is also fluctuating a lot. So sometimes I think I want to focus more on my own products and use YouTube more as a marketing tool and to reach people who don't have the money, you know, to pay for stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the monetization of your YouTube channel? And then we'll talk about your other products as well. But in terms of YouTube, at what point when you were creating these videos, did you realize that you had something there? Like what was your sort of, you know, this really could be something big. Like what was that breakthrough moment for you?
1: Well, actually, first when I saw, you know, you have to apply for monetization, but I can't remember when I got it. I think you need at least 10,000 subscribers might be different. now. I can't remember. But and then I saw the first time I thought, oh, I'm making like three dollars a month with this. It sounds like a joke now. But I thought, oh, wow, I can already buy a up from that in Germany, <laughs> you know, and it sounds really funny. But if you make money online, it's a funny thing, because in the beginning, at least you know, a few years ago, it wasn't that common. Now it's more common. And, but when I saw it, oh, YouTube, I can buy like actually something from my YouTube money. It's kind of surprising. And then I, I thought, oh, I can take this somewhere. You know, you just go step by step, but $3, then it's maybe 30, then 300, you can pay an apartment with that, you know, monthly rent in, in Chiang Mai. I mean, not in America or in Germany, but in Thailand, you know, and I thought, wow, this is, yeah. And then from there, I thought I, I took it more seriously.
2: And so the the initial form of monetization of yeah. your channel was just simply that you had built an audience yes. to a particular level.
1: And donations, yeah. So lots of students started sending me money because and through Patreon, yeah, it's a crowdfunding website and. Lots of people liked my my videos, so they thought, okay, we have to support this girl, you know, <laughs> jumping girl, and they started sending me money. So there was even one Australian guy, he sent me $300 at once, you know, and I thought, wow, this is like awesome, you know. Back then it was a lot of money for me. It still is, so it's not, you know, it's good.
2: And then YouTube will pay you a certain amount of money based on the size of your audience in order to run ads on your channel? Or how does that How does that work?
1: Oh, actually on YouTube, it depends on when people watch the ad in front of the, before the video, you know, or they click on the ad, then I get money. Yeah. And some people have an ad blocker or stuff, me too, actually. They, yeah, I don't make any money with that, you know. Some people think... It depends on how many likes you get or how many subscribers you have or how many. It doesn't depend on that at all. It really just depends on how many people click on your ad or watch your ad. Got it. But obviously, if you have
2: 300,000 people going to your channel, the ad will be in front of more people and then more people will click on it. And then you'll get more people. So you allow YouTube to run ads in front of your videos and then you get monetization for everybody that clicks
1: on that, which can then
2: become a recurring stream and cover living expenses and all that.
1: yeah. That's right.
2: Now, then once you built that audience, because you did, you then did something very interesting, which was you realized that you had a loyal audience and that they would potentially want to buy other things yes. from you that you could sell yes. to them. So, so what yeah. did you do from there?
1: Then I published my ebook, my first ebook. It's actually about my travel story. So, it's just some little, but very little funny stories, you know, about traveling. So I put them in the in the book and I always translate. And so I wrote them in German and translated to English, you know, so and people like that a lot. And then I published my first course about the German sentence structure. And then another course where you can learn with German dialogues, you know, with real life dialogues. So,
2: so you now yeah. have two courses out.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
2: And you initially just sold them to your YouTube channel. You went in front of your YouTube viewers and said, I have this thing to offer. I've
1: never done paid advertisement for my products, which I should do, though. After Nomad Cruise, I noticed Matt and I were just on Nomad Cruise
2: recently together.
1: Yeah, I thought maybe I should do that, too, because some people are doing that and they're very successful with it. So. Maybe I should start doing that.
2: But it's amazing, though, because I think, you're, you know, I think your warmest audience is always your followers.
1: Definitely. Yeah. They know I you. I love them, yeah. and They're, they're loyal very, to yeah, you. Yeah, they and they'll loyal. buy what they you're selling me, to support yeah. you also. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. I noticed that too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah so that's, and that's <laughs> so, so, always amazing because I was talking with some of the people that do Udemy mm-hmm. courses. And Udemy is a separate type of platform where they take a portion of whatever you sell on yes. their platform, but mm-hmm. they provide... The leads or the prospects or the students, right? Yeah. To buy the stuff from you. But the kicker is that in order to get your course, from what I understand, talking to these people, I have not done this yet, but the people that are successful on that platform basically say you need to bring in your first initial group of people that you've cultivated yourself to buy this stuff and then it'll go up into their algorithm and and get it to other people. I was also
1: thinking about putting a course on Udemy. I will see, but I have a a huge audience already, so I'm not sure if it makes sense. I have to see. That's the thing, right? It's an interesting platform though, because it's very big, you know? yeah. So it might be very nice to get on it. It might be, but I
2: feel like a lot of people that benefit from that also don't necessarily have a 340,000 person audience that they (laughs) can sell to, (laughs) right? So let me ask you this, just business-wise, how do you as a content producer and an information product producer and a teacher... How do you structure your work day? Do you, have, do you have certain morning routines that you do every day? Yes, do you have a work structure? I How does your do day know. work? Yeah.
1: So usually in the morning, I try not to use my phone <laughs> at all, you know, because it's very distracting. Sometimes when I get up my phone and I check it, it's first all emails and messages. And then you think, oh my God, I got to do this and fix this. So it's good to have like a morning routine where you say, okay, until 9 a.m. I don't look at my phone or leave it on airplane mode and just use a meditation app or something, you know. And what That's time like, are you
2: getting up in the morning usually?
1: That depends. Usually I get up pretty late, but here in Chari Kwakwara, I get up very early. <laughs> you do? And so I get up at about like six, seven or something. Then I try to do, I always say try to do because I don't always do it, but six out of seven days in the week, I usually do it, you know. 10 minutes exercise then 10 minutes meditation and 10 minutes stretching, a little bit stretching or yoga slash yoga. You know, I just do what kind of feels right. And for meditating, yeah, I use an app. And then, yeah, I try not to use my phone and get some creative work done first. So that's my morning routine. In the evening, I also write journal And I always tell myself only one sentence because otherwise if I think, oh, I want to have to write journal and then I get sick of it. But one sentence and usually you end up writing more. But if you tell yourself, I just want to write one sentence of the most important thing which I learned or what infected me or whatever, you know, then and usually I end up writing more. So it's nice. (laughs) But one sentence is something I can't, there's no excuse for not writing one sentence, you know. So it helps a lot. And then during the day, it really depends on where I am, what's happening. And Chari Quarkwater, there's so much stuff going on. So it's kind of hard to have one fixed schedule. No, you know how it is now when you travel. It's not that easy. Well, that's
2: that's part of the the reason why I asked the question in terms of constructing routines, optimizing your productivity while you're in these amazing travel destinations with lots of cool people and there's interesting stuff going on. And how are you able to kind of discipline and maintain that, you know, so that you can optimize your work productivity?
1: So normally I have a schedule, I have deadlines, you know, of things I want to do and I upload weekly. So I do that for sure. One video per week, that's a must. And then the other things I try to do them in the morning, you know, and then in the afternoon have more fun time evening, sometimes I also go back to work. It depends what's happening, yeah. It's not that easy to keep doing it while traveling, but I try my best and usually it works when I put it in the calendar, it's fixed and then I just do it, you know. Just gotta sit down and do it. And the good thing is we are surrounded by other digital nomads, so they also have to sit down and get some stuff done. My FOMO would be... the worst (laughs) but this way it's fine you know yeah
0: (laughs) so
2: let's talk a little bit about your travel structure i know that you're gonna do remote year uh, actually at the end of this month it starts in fact which is so exciting so so you'll have your next 12 month itinerary planned out but up until this point over the last five years as you've been traveling the world how have you decided where to go how long to stay Uh, how has your lifestyle design worked
1: Actually, the first foreign country I I went to was the U.S. To Minnesota, that was just to learn English. So in the beginning, I always decided to go on to a certain country because I wanted to learn the language. So then I went to Mexico during my studies for half a year to learn Spanish. Then I went to France for one year to learn French. So that was the first part. Thailand was just because I was lost and I thought Thailand sounds like a good idea to find myself. So I went to Thailand for one year. And yeah, and then I had this crazy idea that I want to live on each continent for at least one year, you know. So that's why I also went to Australia, lived there for one and a half years. And now South America for a while. Yeah, It was always first because of the languages and then because of my goal to live on each continent for at least a year.
2: And through your travel experiences, as you've been traveling the world for five years now mm-hmm. and you look back on it, what? how would you describe what you get from traveling? Why oh, you wow. travel, what you get out of it, what does it mean
1: to you? I love it. Yeah, I love it. So first of all, you can learn the language you know and the culture and everything. That's interesting. But for me, always the most important thing I learned along the way is two things, I think. Inspiring people. I got to know a lot of inspiring people who also shaped my life in a lot of ways. You know, when I lived in Thailand, I think I also launched my YouTube channel in a way because I was in that community of digital nomads. So it helped me a lot, you know. Back home, my friends had normal jobs in quotation marks you know they just worked from 9 to 5 and so on but in chiang mai i was it was the first time i was surrounded by people who were totally inspiring and I thought, wow, how are they doing this? And then I watched my friend's email, you know, she was showing me, ah, Anja, this company is paying me like 100 euros now to put an article about them on my, and I'm like, wow, this is possible, you know? So it was very very interesting for me to see that. And the second thing I learned on my travels is just about myself, you know? You can't flee from yourself even when you travel. You still have ups and downs and you still have difficult days and so on. And I started realizing this. And then you also talk to other travelers and they go through the same. So it's very nice to... You know, experience that and also experience yourself. And I think sometimes the ups and downs there, but I don't know if that's true, but they're higher and lower than when you stay home, maybe, because you're sometimes more lonely. You're sometimes more, you know, in the deep shit, sorry, but you know, <laughs> than when you just stay home because at home you have your friends, your family, you know the country, you know the language, but when you travel, everything changes. Yeah.
0: without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation. If that sounds interesting to you to learn more about it, you can just go to the slash consult. And now back to the episode.
2: Can you talk about some of the downsides or not downsides, but down times or down moments or challenges? of long-term travel that most people who do long-term travel probably experience or could expect to experience. What are some of those challenges that you've gone through? And then what are sort of some of the mitigation techniques that you've learned for how to sort of overcome those or or sustain a long-term traveling lifestyle?
1: One of the challenges is, so I always traveled by myself, no? So you first arrive in the country, everything is new. The language is new. You don't know anybody. I think that's a big challenge. And especially me, I'm a bit hyper and I overthink stuff. So sometimes in the beginning, I was like, what am I even doing here? <laughs> I don't know the people. I don't know the language and so on, you know? So it's kind of hard in the beginning. But then I think to overcome it is really just to go out, meet people, go into Facebook groups, start talking to people, nomad list, whatever. Find people, talk to them, don't stay at home, you know? I think that's one of the best ways to put yourself out there and and, and yeah, explore. And for me also, uh, actually, one of the biggest challenges was always when I was in a new country and I was sometimes by myself. I don't like doing sightseeing by myself for some reason. Do you like that? I, I don't enjoy that. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I know will, I
2: will do it sometimes, yeah. but I'm all, I'm usually doing it with other people. Exactly. I would say.
1: And so usually what I did, I was waiting in the hostel until I met somebody who I liked. And I was like, Hey, you want to go there? Okay. Let's go together. You know, I didn't like doing sightseeing by myself, but that's also something I noticed about myself, you know? So I just tried to find people and yeah, do it together. It's just something, I don't know. I think it's cooler when you see something awesome and you can, and be like, hey, look at that! And then you talk to people and make jokes and have a good time. than if you're by yourself in front of an amazing building or an amazing beach, you know,
2: yeah, I agree. Then I think that's actually one of the reasons why you're gonna love remote year
1: Yeah, I think so too.
2: Because you're always gonna have, yeah. yeah, the community. You're gonna always have people to go do all of and this I stuff with. I love that.
1: I love that. Definitely. Yeah. And then also, yeah, a challenge is also that sometimes you might feel lost. You know, if you don't. Sometimes I arrived also in the airport and just little things you don't have internet. Or, you know, and then you need a SIM card and you don't know where to get it. You don't speak the language. It's just lots of th- little hassles. So it's really good to have like a community or people you who you know already. I actually also talked to Jan. Do you know a friend of ours?
2: You mean my housemate from Barcelona?
1: Ah, uh, yes. That's right. <laughs> Which he, is
2: actually where you and I, I, I met. I was very... Into- when you would, ah, yes. When you, would co- right. when, you would, when you would come in to do laundry <laughs> in, our, in our apartment. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's right. That's when we first met. Yay.
1: Yeah. And he told me he doesn't travel for places at all anymore, but only for people. So if he knows a good person there, he would just go there. He doesn't even care about the sights, about... Nothing. He just goes there because he knows the people and he knows he's going to have a good time. I thought that that was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's a good approach, maybe. But I still want to see amazing places. But I thought it was kind of interesting. Well, to- that's
2: why these work travel programs, you know, are a really great way to do both.
1: Yes, and you to have combine great people them. And great places.
2: Exactly. Agree, yes. That's exactly <laughs> right. And so that's now, you know, that's what I've been doing now since I finished remote year. I've been continuing to go to great places and overlap with these communities, either plugging into other remote year groups, which you can do as an alumni. Yes. Or other work travel programs like Hacker Paradise and some of these other places, because yes. they go to different places than remote year does. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's
1: true, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So like this year, I went to places like Seoul, Korea. With nice. Hacker Paradise, nice. which is like so high on my list, and oh, I can go do it with like 25 cool, amazing people. Done. Awesome. Like, sign me it's up, great.
0: right? Yeah, yeah. I love it. Or yeah. I went.
2: There was another program this year I went on called Wondrous Life, and they were going to Nairobi. Oh, Ken- I
1: never heard of them. Yeah, yeah. They're okay. going
2: to they went to Nairobi, Kenya oh, for a month, and I was wow. like, Nairobi, Kenya, and you're taking care of the accommodations and the co-working space exactly. and, and setting and up the yeah. safari for me to go on <laughs> and bringing a bunch of other cool people for me to hang out <laughs> with. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. Yes, Where do I, I sign? Agree.
1: I I agree. I love that too. Yeah. It's nice to be surrounded by people like that.
2: And it's amazing how quickly the world is changing and these opportunities coming up, right? Because when I started traveling, I left the United States in the summer of 2013 none of these companies existed. No,
1: it's crazy. None. There are so many digital nomads. It's growing. like It's exploding.
2: It's amazing. But and it's, I think
1: it's a good thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's
2: an amazing opportunity because now all these businesses are coming into the space to serve and cater to the exactly the types of pain points that you were describing. I don't want to get to a place and be lonely and not have anyone to negotiate stuff with. Okay, here's an amazing community and we'll take care of all this stuff. <laughs> I right? agree, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. That's right?
1: why also Homebase and Nomad Cruise was so amazing, you know, because you you met people from the first day, they were in the same situation. And then the good thing is also we also we help each other a lot, no? In in the groups, they say, Hey, you can go to this place and buy this sim card and then you activate it like this and then it's done. You yeah, know, I love it. It's yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. We support each other a lot.
2: That is an amazing aspect about the community. And even when you're going to a new community and you've never met the people in that particular community, you're still just welcomed into it and you're a part of it and they help yeah. you out in the same way, which is really nice.
1: I love it too. Yeah.
2: So let's go a little bit deeper into the the YouTube stuff. If you can give some sort of tactical advice, um, explanation, strategy for building an audience on YouTube? What are the most important components that people should think about in terms of conceptualizing it, I guess, strategically, but then also tactically, how should people go about doing that?
1: I would say really first, maybe find out if YouTube is for you, you know, so make some videos, upload them, see if if it feels right, you know, for me, it felt right. <laughs> I was crazy in front of the camera, but I thought I like this, you know, even the, even though I'm talking to the camera, I know I can reach people. Some other people like you might like podcasts or just writing a blog. So just find out if it's for you, you know, if you like it. And uh, honestly, you don't have to feel comfortable in front of the camera right away. I didn't feel 100% comfortable, but as long as you enjoy it and you think you really can put yourself out there and you have something to give back, then I would try it and see if you like it, you know. And then I think it's very important to be different. When I started YouTube, there were already a lot of people teaching German actually on YouTube. But I thought, ah, I can still add value to this. I can make it different. I can be different. So I think there's always room for more YouTubers and who have to give something, you know. And nowadays, I would also say find your niche. But, you know, I didn't have a niche really. I was just teaching German. Learn German with Anya. and that was it. So, but that was... Back then, now I think it's better to have a niche and really focus on that probably, yeah. And then have a schedule. In the beginning, I would also even recommend to upload daily and to take it very seriously and then later maybe slow down. It's just to get really in the habit of making videos and having a lot of practice because making videos takes a lot of practice and feeling comfortable and also getting feedback, you know. You have to take the feedback from others seriously. Ask your friends, what do they think about your videos and things like that.
2: I think that's good advice. I think especially about the medium because different people are going to be more talented at in different mediums.
1: Yes. Right. true. So
2: some people, you know, Instagram is their medium and they're amazing photographers and they're passionate about that medium and they're great and they can build tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of audience on Instagram or, you know, audio medium like a podcast like we're doing now or video medium like YouTube or just writing a blog. I mean, there's plenty of text blogs that have millions of viewers per month.
1: Exactly. So I wouldn't say, you know, if you think, oh, I definitely want to become a YouTuber, don't be too stubborn. If there is something else which maybe suits you better, just change it. But I would recommend to focus on one medium first. That's really something I would recommend. I think one or maximum two. Yeah, Yeah.
2: I think that makes sense. And then what you can do is you can repurpose some of your content, right? Like if you create, let's say, for example, like this podcast that we're recording now. This podcast is going to be transcribed also into a text
1: exactly, format. Exactly, that's right. Yeah, and
2: then we're going to be able to have you know micro content created on social media with a snippet from this, or maybe a quote from this, or something, and then that can go out on social I media, agree, right? Yes. So, so focus on your pillar content being your primary medium that you're passionate about and you love and you're good at.
1: Yeah. I agree. Totally. And you can find this out just by doing and using it. I think nowadays we overthink stuff a little bit too much. Sometimes it's just good to do it. You know, for example, when I had the idea about uploading my first YouTube video, I just asked my friend, I didn't even have a camera. So I just asked a friend, can I lend you a camera? And then I uploaded it. And sometimes we just got to do things to see if we like it. And, you know, like action, triggers motivation. It's not the other way around. Sometimes you have to be active first and then you get motivated, you know? I was more motivated when I saw comments on my videos than, you know, So it's both. It's both ways, but sometimes you just got to get active.
2: Do you have any tactical tips? Like, let's say somebody goes through this exercise and they say, yep, you know what YouTube is for me. That's my medium. I'm a video person. and yeah. I want to do this. And I'm going to commit to the once a week or multiple times a week or even once a day schedule. Once they do that, What tactical tips do you have for actually effectively growing your channel besides frequency of posting?
1: Nowadays, it's good to have good quality and quantity also both kind of, you know, but find the balance between, you know, but quality is important. I think more important now, you know, you get a good camera later on, you know, and get a good microphone and then just put it out there. Yeah. Lots of people also use a lot of keywords research, but I don't know, I didn't do that in the beginning and I still grew a lot. So I think the most important thing is really to be passionate and do it and put it out there and see, you know, and then also what you can do is do some marketing for your video because nowadays it's hard to grow. So you can even put your own marketing on YouTube. So... Before other videos are played, your video will show quickly and then people come to your channel from that. I would actually recommend this a lot nowadays because there are so many videos out there. So you got to stand out and also put it on Facebook. Maybe there's also some people who post mostly on Facebook, you know, it might also be good. Instagram, one minute videos or IGTV is a new thing. Got to try different things and do some marketing for it. I would do that nowadays. Yeah, definitely. I did it a little bit, but not a lot.
2: I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think the differentiation point is really significant because when people go to your YouTube channel, we're going to send them there. We're going to put all the links to your stuff in the show notes at the maverickshow.com for this episode and we're going to send them there. But I'm, you know, I'm going to encourage people to all go to your channel. Even if they're not interested in learning German, just to see what you're doing with that channel and the types of videos that you're recording and how entertaining they are and how this (laughs) fundamentally different from any teaching video they've ever seen is going to be. And then why you're growing that audience, because it really stands out and it's so different. I think that's a really crucial point. Yeah, so think I about agree. how you're going to add value in the yes, space.
1: definitely add value. That's the most important thing. You always got to think about why would people watch your videos? That's so important, you know. Either they have a problem, they want to solve it. Either or they want to be entertained, they need like some funny video or whatever. Or they love their cat and they want to see other cats which are playing, give them something which adds value to their life. That's the most important thing. As with anything, you know, like this podcast too, anything.
2: Yeah, totally agreed. And then as you thought about from there, building this into your business, yeah, that would be a full-time business. Yeah, Can you talk a little bit about that? Did you create any systems and processes and outsource certain things to other people? And if so, how did you scale that? How did that work?
1: Yeah. So first I didn't outsource that much, you know, I just had my ebook. So it was very, the the thing is actually when I started to grow it much more was when I moved to Australia because Australia was so expensive, (laughs) you know, coming from Thailand, it was easy. Like I think we always stay kind of in in our comfort zone, but if you move to a more expensive country, then you got to make more money, you know, otherwise you sleep under the bridge. So you don't want to do that. So And then I started outsourcing first just with Fiverr.com actually for WordPress issues and things like that. So little things. But then I also hired an assistant, a virtual assistant. She's German, but she lives in Bali and a video editor and things like that. But that's only part-time, you know, so I don't have really full-time employees uh, up to now, but I want to get into that maybe a little bit. But let's see, I like hiring people who also travel and understand this whole lifestyle a little bit, you know, it's kind of nice because then you know, okay, they know when you're on the plane and they know that your internet might not be good. And it's kind of cool when you have. People who understand you. 100%. Like that, yeah.
2: Totally agree. All of our staff in Maverick Investor mm-hmm. Group is all location independent. Oh, and really? They can live where they wow. want. I mean, some of them choose to be in this place or that place, but none of them are required to be in any place. Yeah. So, if, they,
1: yeah. if they have a home base, I love that too, yeah. having a home base for a while, you know, then keep moving or coming back or something like that. Yeah.
2: So then when you went and you started thinking about the courses, can you talk about how you conceptualized the courses and then what your process was for sort of building and selling? those? So actually
1: for both courses, I partnered up with two people, Jan, actually, the first one with Jan. Yeah. <laughs> and so the thing is, I, I got so many questions about the German sentence structure because it's very difficult. I don't know if you ever studied German, but it's all over the place. It's It's quite confusing. So I thought I got to make a course about this because I get too many questions and like I need to structure it, give them also exercises, you know, because otherwise it doesn't stick in their brain. So that's why I made the first sentence structure course. And the second course was with a guy who I met at the Langfest. It's a language festival in Montreal, Canada. And he already had some dialogues ready and, and stuff. And then we started talking and I really liked his way of teaching languages and I thought, okay, let's make a course together. So I kind of had my audience. He had the method and also the technology, you know, it was already set up. So we just launched it actually within two months or something. And it was very successful.
2: And then the difference between the two courses, what was the content of each one? So,
1: yeah, the first one was the, about German sentence structure, so mostly grammar. And the second course is more learning with natural dialogues. So you listen to German people speaking in dialogues about different topics and then we have like some grammar underneath some exercises and so on you know and we tell them exactly how to study with the dialogue how it gets easier you know so
2: got it and i like the model though of you building the audience and then taking feedback from the audience and listening to the questions or basically identifying the needs yeah of that audience.
1: It's very important, yeah. And, yeah. Then,
2: and then from that, assessing what they would be willing to pay for mm-hmm. if you were to produce a product that would fill their needs.
1: Yes, definitely. You got to listen to your audience, yeah. But sometimes also not. I mean, some people are also a bit, you know, they just, say something, do this or do this. And, and sometimes I think, uh, maybe not, this is not right, you know. But if the majority of them have the same problem, then it's good to make a video about that. I, right now I'm also doing that a course or whatever it is.
2: And then, in terms of your traveling stuff, you're doing. You're going to do something. Ah, yes, I have another blog.
1: It's called Anya de Alemania. So in Spanish, uh, (laughs) it means Anya from Germany. And there, I also, I actually. So my main website is to learn German with Anya, where I teach German. But I want to have Anya de Alemania for telling people how to travel while teaching, what is it like to be a digital nomad, you know, these things and also the ups and downs and yeah, things like that. So that doesn't really fit into the niche of long German, you know, it's more about me traveling, being a teacher, being a digital nomad, being an etupreneur. It's what I like to call myself. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so I want to talk about and also how to grow your YouTube channel and
2: things like that. Awesome, cool. We're going to link up to all of that stuff in the show notes at themaverickshow.com for this episode. What would you say, if you're thinking back on your entrepreneurial journey, can you describe maybe at least one failure or setback or challenge that you had along your business journey and then what you learned from that? As entrepreneurs, right, and we we try stuff out and we do things and we go in particular yeah. ways. There's sort of this concept of the entrepreneurial roller ah, coaster, yes. right? I <laughs> have
1: that too, for sure. <laughs> so it's usually my problem is more that I'm overwhelmed with stuff. I have a lot of ideas and then I'm overwhelmed. And sometimes I think, oh, which direction go I, do I go? What's right to do now? And to focus also, it's not that easy, you know, because I'm more a creative mind. I'm sometimes all over the place. And that's why now I'm also thinking about hiring a manager like 10 hours per week who just tells me, hey, Anya, stick to the schedule. Let's do this. This is the workflow. And just so I am a bit more strategic and a bit more organized. I think lots of YouTubers and also other creative minds, you know, we have ideas and then we get distracted easily. And then we are surrounded by other people who like to go out and do things. And so it's hard to, I think, fo- yeah, focus and overwhelming, being overwhelmed. That's my biggest challenge. That's, uh, re- that's usually. really
2: interesting. I think one of the most important things for all entrepreneurs is to be able to do that self-audit yeah, and understand what our strengths are and what our weaknesses are.
1: Definitely. I know. Yeah. Because uh, we all have them. Definitely. <laughs>
2: and, and then once, you, once you're once you honest with yourself about it we and can you've identified it. them, yeah. then you think about mitigation strategies, mm-hmm. you know, which is fascinating about what you're describing, that you're actually looking now into hiring a manager type yeah. person to manage, like to help you to execute your to deliverables. To be more balanced
1: and to follow the plan, you know, yeah, accountability, things like that. Exactly. And who just checks in with me maybe twice per week and sees, did I do what I wanted to do? You know, did I follow the flow and yeah. That's something I need. Yeah, definitely. That's,
2: that's really good because I, I feel like a lot of times entrepreneurs will try to do everything themselves mm-hmm. or think that they can do everything themselves or think that they want to. But in fact, when we're able to identify our weaknesses or what are the things that are not getting us there and then either outsource it to someone else to do, or like you're saying, you know, hire someone to basically help us to execute in a particular I way agree, that we need totally. to. Yeah.
1: And sometimes when we hire people, we also find out that, they not only can help us, but sometimes they are better at it, you know? I hired a video editor and he did some stuff and I was like, wow, that's cool. I never had this idea, you know? So sometimes it's also, they are better than us because they are specialists. So, and we can't be specialists at everything. For
2: sure, for sure. Awesome. All right, Anya, at this point, are you ready to get into some lightning round questions?
1: Yes, sure. Let's do it. (laughs) The lightning round.
2: All right. What is one book that you would recommend maybe that has influenced you significantly?
1: Honestly, me? Yeah. It's the biography of Steve Jobs the most. It was crazy because it was such an interesting character, you know, and... For me, it was very interesting. And it also, you know, it helped me to meditate more because he was meditating a lot. So some of things I really took from him, which were very inspiring and other things I thought I never want to be like that, you know, how he treated people sometimes and things like that. But it was still a very, such an interesting book. Yeah, I love that.
2: What is one app or productivity tool or gadget that you are currently using that you would recommend?
1: I like the app, which is called Calm. Yeah, I use that a lot just to meditate in the morning. And they also have some, you know, some other messages. I like it a lot. Yeah, I use that. And one video editing app. I love this one. Perfect video. It's for iOS. I love that one. Yeah, I want to say that.
2: Cool. (laughs) What is one either blog you read or a podcast you listen to or a YouTube channel that you watch, some type of content medium that you consume regularly or a person that you follow that you would most recommend.
1: So I love funny people as you might have noticed because I'm also I want to be funny on my YouTube channel or I you know that's what I like. I like Lisa Koshi. Do you know her? She's very funny. I, I love her. She's yeah, very entertaining. It's just, it's good for me to relax in the evening, just have a good laugh, you know. Is, it, a, is it,
2: does she have a YouTube? She's
1: American. She's on YouTube, exactly. And she does some crazy stuff and uh, it's cool. And then a guy from Chile, I think he speaks in Spanish. Hola, soy German. I also use it to learn Spanish and he's also very funny, but he didn't upload that much recently, but still to learn Spanish, I watch him sometimes just to have a good laugh.
2: Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) All right. Let me ask you this. In all of your travels, you've been now to 24 countries and I'm sure a number of different places within those countries. What would you say are your top three favorite travel destinations? Oh,
1: wow. I would say Mexico, Thailand, and let's see what other country... Maybe Brazil so far, actually. Yeah, it's pretty (laughs) pretty amazing. Yeah, I think so. But it always depends on what, I mean, what is your goal in those countries also, you know? Do you like hiking? Do you like just swimming in the ocean? Do you want to be in a cheap place or in a very clean place? or? You know, that depends a lot on, on your preferences. But I loved Mexico because it's so, I, first of all, I speak Spanish, so it's easier, you know, and it's very versatile. So there's so many things to do and I like the food and the people a lot. So it was very
2: nice. And what would you say are your top three bucket list places that you've never been that are the highest on your list right now you oh, most yeah. love to visit?
1: Japan, for sure. South Africa, I'm going there with Remote Year. That's also one of the reasons I signed up for Remote Year because they were on the list. So I would say Japan and South Africa, I got to say three, No, Um probably Peru. So yeah.
2: That's awesome. I was just in Kyoto right before I came to Barcelona.
1: Nice. Yes. How was it?
2: It was amazing. I was there with a Remote Year group, participated in that for the month in Kyoto. And it was actually really cool. My sister came to visit me. And she'd never been to Japan before. So we traveled around and we were in... I had been to Tokyo before, but she'd never been to Japan. So we went to Tokyo, of course. And there is some all kinds of crazy in Tokyo. It's amazing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's just like wild, over the top, eccentric, but in all these like mesmerizing and delightful ways, it's just, the food is insane. Like wow, it's I'm just, excited, it's culturally yeah. fascinating. Some
1: people say you feel like you live in the future or something. You're in the future. Is it true? I don't know but know. It's,
2: it's pretty epic. Yeah, and depending yeah. on where you are in the city, there's <laughs> just all of the, these different kind of amazingly interesting cultural <laughs> nuances going on. So it's it's a truly fascinating place to I'm be. Excited, so, yeah. Tokyo's epic. Kyoto is also epic in an entirely different way, mm-hmm. right? I mean, these cities are extremely different from each other, but both of them are really amazing.
1: Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited and we, to go And there. then we
2: went out and, you know, saw some other smaller places some islands and really, really beautiful stuff. So it's it's an amazing place. I'll give you all the tips before you get well, there, of course. You. But, <laughs> thank you. But that'll be cool. And then Cape Town will be awesome. I was there for about five weeks before remote year. I went to Cape Town. And then Peru, of course, is insanely gorgeous. Really, really epic. So I'm, I'm super excited for your year. Okay, let's do this. Let's start closing this out here with a final question. And then I want to ask you where people can find all your stuff and follow you and everything. But last question. If you were to go back a decade and give one piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, what would you say to 18-year-old Anya?
1: I would say just relax. Everything will be fine because I'm very impatient. So I think that's what I would just tell myself. Yeah, that will be fine. And as Steve Jobs said, you can connect the dots looking forward, you can only connect them looking backwards. And I clearly can connect lots of dots now. Me going to Thailand, being broke, all these things, they were happening for a reason. And sometimes when you look back, it, things make sense. Yeah. But looking forward, you don't know sometimes what the heck you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's life.
2: Cool. So let's talk about all the different places that people can find you. I mean, to find your content, but then also if they want to follow you on social media or things like that, where can people find you? Where should they go?
1: So mostly it's Learn German with Anja, if you want to learn German. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. Of course, that's the biggest one. <laughs> On LinkedIn, it's Anya Winter, and then Anya de Alemania is my new website, and it's A N J A. Yeah, that's important. J A yeah, Anya. <laughs> that's the way we say it in German.
2: Awesome. So we're going to put all of those links and all of those social media handles directly in the show notes, so you can just go to one place at themaverickshow.com and just go to the show notes for this episode, and you will see all of those links and how you can contact Anya in one place and Definitely encourage you to go to her YouTube channel, even if you think you have no interest in learning German just look at the type of marketing and the type of video she's producing as applicable to any other content space, because it is really quite something different. And and just the fact that you've been able to go into that niche and then just really get that many subscribers is, is truly amazing and something that anybody starting any kind of business or trying to grow a business or trying to grow a YouTube channel should definitely watch the tactics that you're using because it's yeah. super impressive.
1: Cool. Thank so, you so much. <laughs> Anya.
2: Thank you so much for being Very here today. Nice. Thank
1: you for the podcast. Of course. Very nice. It was fun.
2: All right, everybody. (laughs) See you later.
1: See you. Bye bye.
2: Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at
0: themaverickshow.com. Would you like to get Maverick Investor Group's white paper on real estate investing for digital nomads? How to buy U.S. rental properties from anywhere in the world and finance an epic international lifestyle? Just go to themaverickshow.com slash nomad. The report is totally free and available for you now at themaverickshow.com forward slash nomad. Do you want to learn how to travel the world for a year plus with carry-on luggage only and look good while you're doing it? Go to themaverickshow.com slash packing to see a free recorded webinar and learn exactly how Matt does it. He shows you the luggage he uses, the specific items he packs, and the travel brands he likes most. Even if you're just looking to go on shorter trips, but pack more efficiently and eliminate your checked luggage, you won't want to miss this. You can watch the free recorded webinar at themaverickshow.com forward slash packing.